Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK basketball and football every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic. If you listen to Locked On Kentucky on a regular basis, you're going to get info on the cats that you won't get anywhere else. But you got this one tonight, uh, or last night as it is now. Uh, you know what happened. The Cats lost to Evansville uh, <coughs> at home. Just an unbelievable result. Uh, just the mood of this team, the mood of the fan base, just a week ago was so much different than Kentucky now after losing uh, as an AP number one ranked team at home to an unranked non-conference foe for the first time ever. Ever. UK was 39-0 in such games. Uh, it's it's pretty remarkable, Kyle. Yeah, I mean, especially when you add in that, you know, that time factor. One week ago, exactly one week ago, they're at Madison Square Garden with a bunch of young guys playing the number one team in the country, and they basically lead that game wire to wire. Tonight, they're at home against an Evansville team that went 11-21 and last season. And not just last season. You go, well, they got better players. They do. They have a guy that was a top 50 recruit who – was at Arizona State and then Kansas before transferring to Evansville and he played really well tonight. They they got some, you know, they got some transfers, they got some recruits, they got better players than they were a year ago when they were 11 and 21, but this team, this year's Evansville team almost got beat in overtime by a Division 2 school in its exhibition game <laughs> and and then beat Ball State by 4 uh, 3 nights ago. And they go into Rupp Arena, and they lead basically wire to wire. They led for like 30 minutes of this game. Yeah, Kentucky only had the lead for 544. I mean, Evansville as a program hasn't had a top 50 win since January 1st, 2015, and that was Northern Iowa. Uh, and not versus a top 50 non-conference foe since 2011 against Butler. Uh, 0-33 had Evansville been on the road against an AP-ranked team in program history. So that was a first for them. This is also the third biggest upset in college basketball in the last 15 years because Kentucky was a 25-point favorite. The biggest one was Kentucky lost to Gardner-Webb in 2007. They were a 26-point favorite in that one. And this is, and, and this is a worse loss because this is a better Kentucky team. Um, Absolutely. You know, That's a one-ranked team. You know, that was a bad Billy Gillespie coach team that lost to Gardner-Webb. This is a team that, you know, I don't know if they deserve to be number one. You know, like, well, that'll all shake out. Were they the best team in the country? I don't know. Tonight indicates no. But they, it wasn't as if they hadn't done anything yet. They weren't just a preseason number one that had yet to play a good team. They beat preseason number one <laughs> one week ago. It's... A really, you know, when you factor in that, when you factor in where Evansville has been the last couple of years uh, in terms of quality of program, uh, when you factor in that Kentucky had won, I think, 52 straight games against unranked non-conference opponents uh, at home, uh, or just, I think, maybe any non-conference opponents at home. Um, and then, or no, I think it was not unranked. Um, you know, when you take all the, and then the fact there were, you know, 25 point, favorites tonight um when you put it all together it's just it's hard to believe that this is the same team we saw in madison square garden um 
in terms of the context of the loss, I mean, it's definitely the worst loss of Calipari's, you know, 11 seasons at Kentucky. Um, yeah. And no it might, I mean, it might be the worst loss by Kentucky ever in Rupp Arena. Oh, I think it is because I mean, they were ranked number one a week after beating the number one team. You know, I don't, I mean, you know, worst is sort of a subjective term. Most shocking? Is this the most shocking loss? By Kentucky ever at Rupp Arena, probably. It's uh, and 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 then of course well, it definitely the thing we is ever... for for. Go ahead. Well, I said it just definitely is for John Calipari. I mean, you remember how he started his Rupp Arena, uh, his career at Rupp Arena at Kentucky. You know, with that huge win streak that went on forever, and then he's only lost like, um, I think he's one hundred and forty-eight and five. At, at UK versus an unranked team at Rupp well, Arena. Yeah, and I mean, I think he's, I mean, he's like, he's barely even in double digits total losses at Rupp Arena. Right. I right. mean, you know, it, it's, that's crazy. And then the, then the last sort of twist of the knife is that it, you know, you have this historically bad loss and you have it at the hands of one of your own. Walter McCarty's got a national championship <laughs> banner in that building. You know, right. he comes in and he comes in and does that, you know, and it was just a weird scene. One of the things in my story for The Athletic I wrote about is how strange it was to watch Walter McCarty and Tony Delk, two all-time Wildcats, bear-hugging each other in celebration of the number one-ranked Kentucky team losing at Rupp Arena. <laughs> you know, I mean, that is, that is a strange <laughs> – that is a strange sight. Um but everything about tonight was strange. It was just an off, weird night for Kentucky. Uh, and then Walter, uh, he said after the game that he had told Tony Delk and, and others that we're going to come in here and we're going to get one. We're going to surprise some people. So he was he was already thinking, even with what you said about the exhibition game and, and uh, Ball State game, even still, he, he saw something. In, in the way Kentucky plays, I believe, is what this is. And John Calipari said it afterward, that Walter McCarty had his team better prepared than I had my team and that I was outcoached. And I think we saw that. Yeah, I think, you know, I think what happened, one of the things I asked Tony, or sorry, I asked uh, Walter was, you know, I got him uh, alone for a minute after everything was kind of over and all the celebration was over and, I said, you know, what did you what did you see that you thought you could exploit? And then and it was not like a necessarily one tactical thing. It was I felt like we play together for each other, really connected, and a young team like this at Kentucky probably isn't going to play that connected early on and if we just keep moving the ball and moving them uh and making the extra pass, we're going to get a bunch of open shots and we're going to we're going to make them make you know, we're going to take away everything inside and we're going to make them make jump shots against us because they didn't believe Kentucky could beat them that way. And they, you know, Kentucky proved him right. And they did it with points in the paint, too. I mean, 28 points in the paint uh, Evansville had. And in the first half, it was, uh, yeah, 16 to 12 uh, points in the paint. And Kentucky got pushed around in there. And then, you know, as Calipari said, they couldn't post. How many times did you see Kentucky trying to post down there? They couldn't get it to them, and they couldn't hold position either. Um, yeah, that being rough, being physical, uh, Calipari said it. Nick 
the game got physical and he's not as tough as their guy was and Nate couldn't post up either. Uh, it, it was just rem- – I, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. I really couldn't. Yeah, I, th- I think too we'll, we'll, we'll you know, save some of this for the next segment. But you know, I think the disappointing thing for Kentucky is that some guys who felt like you know, they, they could help lead the team, you know, Nate Sestina being that guy – or who were turning a corner, and that would be, you know, a guy like Richards, um, that they took a big step back tonight. And it wasn't against, you know, some formidable opponent. I mean, it turned out to be formidable, but one that you thought would be formidable. You know, games like these, and we, we said it a couple a day or two ago, like Kentucky gets the yeah. num- beats the number one team, they get the number one ranking, they're going to get to be the number one team for a month you know, and work out the kinks against teams they should beat, even as they work those out. And, and Nick even, Richards was going to build his confidence over this stretch. Right, and that just, like, you know, that all went out the window within a week. Um, <laughs> you know, that I think that's got to be really disappointing. Um, it told, I mean, and, and it's crazy that you could play that well and beat number one right out of the chute, and that within a week the, the, the whole narrative of your season is already changing. You know, people like there's massive doubt about this team that quickly after such a you know reassuring early victory. Um, you know, and there, there's there are some red flags that went up tonight, and uh, we could take a break and 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 talk a little bit more about so what what I feel like some of those red flags were. Well, I'll leave you with this before we go to this break: is Indiana was playing I don't I think North Alabama or something tonight in Assembly Hall. And once word started catching on that Evansville was, you know, had this lead on Kentucky and it was getting down to the wire, the Assembly Hall crowd started chanting, Evansville, Evansville. <laughs> of course they did. Oh. I'm, sure they, I'm sure they loved it. And yeah. it's an embarrassment for Kentucky to be plastered all over SportsCenter and, you know, everywhere else in the bottom line and, every, you know, every college basketball show that leading off with this uh, historic defeat for Kentucky. Just a week after. One more thing. It, it, this is the first time that, that uh, the number one AP poll team has multiple losses in November because it was, and Kentucky was involved in both of them. So it's kind of oh, crazy. Wow. Yeah. So, like Kyle said, we'll get uh, some of those red flags and get a little bit more into this game uh, coming up next on Locked On Kentucky. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. We can get to we can get to Nick, kind of struggling. We can get to Nate Sestina, who was very hard on himself after the game, struggling. But the one guy, you know, one real concern for Kentucky is, you know, they're deeper than almost anybody in terms of you know how far down the line you go when you still have a quality player. Uh, but there's not a lot of actual depth uh, for Kentucky. They only have uh, while. Uh, Dante Allen is still recovering from his knee injury. They only have eight scholarship players. Right. And EJ Montgomery's out. All right, well, yeah, they have nine. But with EJ out, and he was in a boot again tonight, missing his second straight game with an ankle sprain, that's eight. And then Ashton Hagens has been hampered, and Cal kind of revealed that publicly tonight. Uh, I was aware of this the night of the Champions Classic, actually. I was in the hallway waiting to talk to Cal. And he was talking to Tom Thibodeau about a bunch of different things, and he said, you know, what Ashton just did is pretty incredible. I wasn't even sure he could go tonight. Uh, he's had a leg issue. 
and I didn't know how much or what he'd be able to give us. And, you know, obviously he went out and helped shut down Cassius Winston and played really well. Um, and when, when Ashton came out of the locker room, Cal said, you, you know, is your leg okay? That night, back a week ago in New York, and, and he said, I'll be okay. But he kind of hobbled off. Uh, played through it in the last game. But tonight he really looked off. Ashton had one of the worst games he's ever played at Kentucky. He was one for eight from the field. He was 0 for three from three. He had four turnovers, three assists, and he got beat a bunch defensively. Um, you know, he got beat. At one point there was a loose ball that was – he was the closest guy to when it, start, when it came loose, and he didn't even come close to chasing it down. Um, and that's obviously not Ashton's game. And Cal basically said, you know, we're practicing with seven or eight guys now, and Ashton hasn't practiced a bunch. And when you don't have that, you know, his whole game is based on kind of energy and fire, and he didn't have it. I mean, that, that really kind of neuters Kentucky when Ashton Hagens is, is playing at less than 100%. Um, and so that's a, you know, that's a worry because Cal said a, a sentence that I think should scare everybody. It says when he said, you know, we have to figure out now, do we shut it all the way down? Right. You yeah. know, like what does that mean? <laughs> uh, you know, for how long? Um, so, you know, you've got that going on. EJ was sitting out. So they based, they had eight available scholarship players, and you know, only seven of them weren't hobbled in any way. Um, and so that that doesn't set the, a great stage for you. Still, with all that talent disparity, you ought to be able to beat Evansville at home. Um, and so some of the other red flags were the guys that weren't banged up. You know, Nick Richards getting bullied was a yeah. really bad step backwards. Um, you know, and with EJ out, it just really highlights how little they have in the front court. And if one of those guys has a bad night, you're going to struggle. If they both have a bad night, you know, the two remaining guys, Nate and Nick, then you're you're screwed. And that's basically yeah. what happened tonight. Nate Sestina came out afterwards and said, you know, I couldn't guard anybody. I'm really disappointed in myself. You know, I, I, I'm I'm a guy who actually has experience. I've been here before. I knew they would come in and try to upset us and we, you know, I've got to do more. Um, he even said that play at the end, Cal said it wasn't supposed to go uh, to Tyrese Maxey, but he's right. the one who ended up with it and took the shot. That play is designed to go to some, get somebody else an open three, and apparently Nate said, you know, I shouldn't have just picked the ball up uh, and started the five-second clock. I should have just let it sit there and wait till the official handed it to me uh, to let the play get set up. And so he kind of got that play off on a bad foot. I, that was interesting. He really – it's encouraging, I guess, that Nate came out and was so, you know, willing to accept responsibility for the areas he was. He let them down, but one of the big ones was rebounding. Nate and right. Nate and Nick combined for eleven total rebounds. Evansville had eleven offensive rebounds, just offensive right. rebounds. Um, you know, and there was one stretch. You know, they had led pretty much the whole game. They led at halftime. They led by as many as eight. Uh, Tyrese Maxey got hot. He scored nine straight points. All of a sudden, the game is tied. There's eight minutes to go. The game is tied. I think you probably thought. I certainly did. I think most people in the arena thought, okay, they got their stuff together. They're going to win this game. Yeah. Just a little disappointing. You know, it'll be one of these that Cal uses to motivate them, but they'll win the game. So it's tied at tie game with eight minutes to go. And from that point over the next three minutes, Kentucky gave up six consecutive rebounds to – Evansville. To me, that's where the game, that's where I was like, they're going to lose. That was the stretch where I thought they're going to lose because it went from a tie game to a five point deficit again. 
At, and in one trip down the floor, Evansville got three offensive rebounds. Um, and then there were two key offensive rebounds in the last two minutes that killed Kentucky. And both of those, Nate Sestina had a chance to go get, and he didn't. Yeah, I mean, when Kentucky actually takes the lead, because Sestina hits a couple of free throws right after Maxie's three, after he had scored seven straight, and it's 48-46. Evansville comes right back with a three. And then right after that, Nick Richards is under the basket, and he's got a point-blank shot, and he struggles under there, and he gets a shot blocked. And it leads to him and, um, you know, Evansville going the other way. But uh, they did tie it again at, what, like 53, I think it was, like you said. And, and then just Evansville just didn't back down. And the offensive rebounding was just so – they wind up getting out-rebounding, Kentucky does. Um, but back to Ashton. I mean, for Calipari to really, like, call him out, he said that wasn't Ashton today. And then he said he's a little injured. But then he said um, – I even had to like ask him. I mean, are you hurt? Are you okay? Because that's, you know, you that wasn't the way you were supposed to play that, or you didn't hustle after that. Right? You know, what's what's going on with you? And then he he goes into well, we haven't we haven't had him in practice, and we haven't been able to focus on toughness, and we focused on nothing but toughness leading into the Michigan State game. But when I got EJ out, and Ashton hasn't been practicing. Now I don't even have five on five. I can't replicate that intensity that I need to, and I can't work on that toughness. And he, he did say that's not an excuse. i got to find another way myself to, to get what we need to get out of practices when we only have seven guys. Uh, but it is a concern going forward if now you're talking about Ashton not practicing, EJ not practicing, uh, and uh, Mount St. Mary's is coming up. They gave Washington all they wanted. Uh, Tuesday night. I mean, that Mount St. Mary's wound up losing by 10 at number 20 Washington, but they gave him a fight. Now, the teams are just going to see a weakness and smell blood and come after him. Uh, maybe he's got their attention a little bit, but he needed guards to rebound too. I mean, he needed you know guys to jump in there. I, I guess Emmanuel quickly uh, did a pretty good job of that. He was the only uh, guy that really uh, played pretty well for the most part. 16 points, 9 rebounds. Uh, but to not get what you needed out of Ashton and then for Tyrese to have, you know, to struggle as well, uh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough sledding ahead. And I, I just can't believe that yesterday we were talking about how great this team was yep. this early defensively. Um, and, and even Cal was talking about it. So he was blindsided by this as well, I think. I, I don't think he expected this. But what the, one of the things that I think he's most disappointed in is that when he talked about the fight that if if you're going to get out physical a little bit you still got to you got to fight and scrap you got to you got to give the effort you got to show that you've like he always says that will to win and you can just kind of see it on his face the disappointment that he had in in his guys not having that because there was a chance to still win the game late and he he alluded to the two offensive rebounds that that um, Evansville got that were there for the taking that Kentucky could have had and they didn't get and you just wonder who is – you thought it was Maxie had that, that kind of fight and, and desire to make sure to put the team on his back and carry him. And he, he just couldn't do it for longer than that little stretch he did to get it tied. Yeah, and here's the other, you know, the other real major red flag and concern that comes out of not just this game but the first three games, it hadn't bitten them yet, is, you know, this was supposed to be a team where they had enough shooting – you know, where finally maybe outside shooting wasn't going to be a concern. 
and maybe right. it ultimately won't be. But they're now 12 of 49 from three this season, 24.5%. Uh, they made four out of 17 tonight. You know, I don't think they know offensively uh, what they are, who no. they are. No. Uh, other than other than Maxi, like who's a reliable bucket getter? I mean, quickly at times, but you know, I I don't know that they know yet what they are offensively, and you know, they certainly don't know that they have a reliable three point shooter. I mean, nobody. Nobody on the team's made more than four total threes over the course of three games, so there's not there's no threat at all right now. Um, I mean, if you if you want to just not guard them on the perimeter, you basically can do that right now. Yeah, your sharpshooter Johnny Juzang, uh, or as uh, Paul Sunderland called him tonight, Johnny Juzong. Thank goodness he didn't play any longer. <laughs> I would have had to pull my hair out listening to that. But uh, he hit his one that you know that he took, but. Um, Clearly, there's something you know with him defensively that Calipari doesn't like because he's not um, giving him any more run than he is. But Khalil Whitney needs to be uh, more of a threat offensively, uh, and it's going to take him time, without a doubt, to figure that out. Uh, and then this talk about you know playing random. Well, it looks like it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it looks like a big random mess right now. Exactly what it is—a big random mess. And when he says he's got to sometimes work on things to uh, to call plays for guys to get them more involved, he absolutely is going to have to do that. He can't rely on it here. I because it wasn't a good game offensively, really, against Michigan State either. Um, the reason it was good um, against EKU is because Kentucky is relying on its defense. And playing in transition, and when you know EKU is pressing you all the time, then you're gonna just you know try to score as quickly as you can and go as fast as you can. And if they weren't able to play that way, sure, but that's not how it's gonna go. Like he made the comment that four of the players came up to him after the EKU game. We'd like to play like this. He's like, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. That team I had with De'Aaron Fox and uh, Malik Monk and Bam Adebayo would have liked to play that way all the time too. But mm. yeah, the other the other side's usually not gonna comply. I mean, that was just a case of Eastern wasn't gonna change how they play just because of the opponent. Uh, but most teams, you know, they're gonna come in, come and play a team like Kentucky with those kind of athletes. They're not gonna just make it, you know, play play right into your hand. And, and no, Evans, you know, Evansville did the did exactly the opposite tonight. And so, it's uh, you know, everything is. I think everything is back on the table for for reevaluation because we we thought going into the season, like, is this front court gonna be the Achilles heel? And tonight it looked like it was. Uh, you know, and the things that we thought we knew about this team tonight, they kind of all went up in smoke. And so I, I don't, I don't know. I, I, these now, these what six, seven more of these games you thought were gimmies before they get into Georgia Tech, Utah, Ohio State, and and Louisville to finish the the December slate. You know, these games between now and then are really kind of like prove it games for a lot of different guys and a lot of different aspects of this team. Well, we got to take a break, and uh, when we come back, we'll tell you why this isn't uh, just the end of the world for Kentucky. It's not like uh, college football where if you lose to LSU, you're no longer in the top five of the college football playoff, even if it is your only loss. Um, so we'll we'll get into that a little bit in, in the future for the Wildcats when we come back here on Locked on Kentucky. <laughs> this is Locked on Kentucky, your team every day. 
All right, welcome back to Locked On Kentucky. We close out today's podcast with uh, with one note that I saw. Uh, you're not going to believe this, but Joe Lenardi already has an article out on Kentucky's loss to, um, against Evansville and how it affects um, their seeding. Uh, so oh, game boy. three of the season, he's already got that out. But he did make um, he did bring up a pretty good point um, where he he mentions that. Uh, the number one overall seed is definitely still in play for Kentucky. Um, of course it is, because you know if if they get this straightened out by Monday and and look good again, which they can they could do that. You know they could play a lot better and and go on a little roll here and take care of business the rest of the way in this non-conference. But he brings up that two years ago North Carolina suffered a home loss to Wofford. Oh yeah, and wound up a number two seed at twenty six and eleven. So that's still an 11-loss Tar Heels team that finished tied for third in the ACC and still wound up a number two seed. So, um, you know, as discouraging as the Evansville loss was and how much it exposed Kentucky in the half court, if you take into consideration that you don't have E.J. Montgomery and that Ashton Hagens is not fully healthy um, and and the fact that um, you still have the youth that you got to figure out with Tyrese and Khalil and, and Keon – but to me, Nick is the biggest concern. Uh, Nate Sestina, I think he's um, self-aware enough that, that he'll figure it out and he's going to help hold these guys together. Emmanuel quickly has probably been the most consistent. Uh, Ashton, as long as that's not too serious. But Nick is just a huge deal for this team. As Calipari said a few years ago when he had Scalabissier, if you don't have a post presence, you're a fraud. Yeah. Nate, Nate Sestina is not going to be – that kind of post presence. I think he can be a little bit, but not to to the extent that Nick Richards would be and that you need him to be. And then you still don't know what you're going to get with EJ Montgomery. Yeah. That is that is such a question mark that you just don't know. So Nick Richards really has to be what they need him to be. And if he can't do it against this level of competition, uh, it's not going to go well for him against Kerry Blackshear and the rest of the SEC. Yeah, and that's that's you know I would throw kind of Nick and EJ together um, because we just haven't seen much of EJ. He was already hobbled uh, most of that Michigan State game and didn't give him much. He had a pretty mediocre preseason, and then he hasn't played these last two games. Um, you know, this is a guy who's a former top ten recruit who many people believed. I think I was in that group that just in terms of long term potential last year. He might have the highest ceiling, and and going into this year, maybe even uh, on this roster, long term potential, he might have you know the highest ceiling, and and we've yet to really see that this year for for some extenuating circumstances. But whenever he comes back, can he infuse some life into that front court? You know, can he and Nick, even if it's an alternating type thing where you know they're not maybe both of them aren't great every night, but they can take turns and. Uh, take up the slack because I do think we've we've seen enough already of Nate Sestina to know that his leadership is incredibly valuable and and in certain matchups he's gonna you know as a shooter and as a, a guy who's gonna play his heart out is is incredibly valuable but he has limitations uh, you know he's he in many cases is gonna have some difficult defensive matchups so if you're counting on Nick Nate to be a starter who's playing 30 plus minutes a night. In SEC play and against some of the better teams you play, that could get exposed. Um, so they do need Nick and they do need EJ to come along and, and 
you know, at least one of them every night's got to be pretty good, I think. Um, you know, and tonight EJ didn't play at all, and, and Nick was not good. Uh, Calipari said we may look back, uh, you know, in a few weeks and say this was the greatest thing that ever happened to us, or we look back and say we look just like we did when we lost to Evansville. Um, but there are a couple little, th- you know, things that I noticed that, it's easy to, I mean, Khalil Whitney, pay attention and don't throw the ball out of bounds. You know, Nick Richards, pay attention and don't, you know, th- throw it uh, right to the other guy and then foul him for an and one for your second foul of the game so early in the game. And then Hagens, even though he wasn't himself, he also picked up his second foul, you know, at the 12:36 mark of the first half. So a few of those things and, yeah, and, and, and you know, that cuts down on a little bit of turnovers. But the, it just speaks to the – the engagement, you know, the the mindset and the mentality in that game. They just weren't they weren't there. And Evansville punched them in the mouth and they and once they they felt it, they didn't go away and they kept it coming and I uh, I did think it was encouraging that Kentucky turned the ball over a lot less in the second half and they were able to um stop that Cuncliffe dude from from keeping his his thing rolling because he was unreal in the first half. I mean, he had no fear. He was clearly the best player in the game for the first twenty minutes of it. Yeah, he uh, kid, you know, former top fifty kid who was at Arizona State and then Kansas, and he he looked like a guy who wasn't really intimidated by the moment and uh, had a big half. But uh, you know, I wanted to I wanted to kind of end on on this note, which is you know just to say like how. How torn do you think, maybe not torn at all, I think most people just wanted Kentucky to win, but uh, Walter McCarty is a really beloved guy um, by Kentucky fans, uh, certainly ones who are not kind of new to the party just in the Calipari era. Um, well, I remember watching the LSU game live. I remember staying up and yeah, watching Yeah, I mean, that. he was like a central figure, like the star, I guess, of the, of the Mardi Gras miracle and hit the well, go-ahead three. he hit the three, shot. You yeah. Know, the go-ahead three late. Um, you know, how, how torn are people? I mean, there were some Kentucky fans who hung around to congratulate him, but the, it was funny, you know, I followed him out onto the court and I'm sure he's made that walk a million times, uh, you know, as a winning Kentucky player to celebrate with the fans who stayed in the stands. But this time they were all wearing purple. Um, <laughs> and there were a couple straggler Kentucky fans and one guy is going, come on, Walt. Come on, bro. Like, like, how are you going to do us like that? Um, and I just thought that was like, you know, probably the sentiment of a lot of Kentucky fans. Like, it's weird because, you know, he had this beautiful moment in the locker room. He got the Gatorade shower and got to celebrate that and had the, the sort of tearful moment with Tony Delk after the game. This is the biggest win of his career, a huge Absolutely. win. It's the biggest uh, win in Evansville program history, and he's from there. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's just, it's a really cool thing that happened to one of their own for Kentucky fans. And, but he did it to them. Uh, I don't know how, how torn do you think people were watching that happen? Well, it's, it's one of those where it's like, I guess if it had to happen, I wish it would, uh, I'm glad it was Walter and not, you know, Richard Patino with Minnesota or something <laughs> like that. Or, or, or Penny Hardaway, you know. Yeah. So speaking that's... of speaking of which, was this like the greatest night uh, of Rick Pitino's life since he got fired at Louisville? <laughs> I mean, watching one of his former Kentucky guys go beat Kentucky yes. and beat Calipari at Rupp Arena. 
And then Walter even brought up Coach P, as yeah. he called him, in the post-game press conference a couple times. Yeah, it's it's great for Walter. I mean, it, it to me, it, it shows that uh, he knows what he's doing, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll uh, I guess we'll come back here and sift through the wreckage again a couple more times this week. But uh, that was – I did not expect to have this conversation with you tonight, that's for sure. No, I did not either. Um, yeah, I thought that uh, – I thought that we would be talking uh, more along the lines of the stuff that we were already talking about. But, yeah, we'll get into football tomorrow. Eddie Grand uh, addressed the media um, on Tuesday, and then Brad White will talk on Wednesday. So we'll have a chance to, to get into football a little bit as well and continue on, uh, on this thing with the uh, uh, soon-to-be former number one-ranked Kentucky Wildcats. But thanks for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at D-R-I-E-F-F-F-F-E-R. That's only two F's. Sorry. And uh, (laughs) Kyle is at? Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. All right. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks. You are Locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked on. Don't worry. I won't finish. You get the idea.